This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Samovar Tea. To find out more, visit samovarlife.com. And by listeners like you. To find out more and make a donation, visit insideactingpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, agents, filmmakers, casting directors, managers, anybody involved with the entertainment industry, and we bring those interviews to you. Uh, we have an awesome interview with um, another, like, ultra hyphenate, um, but also a, a well respected name in the voiceover industry, Mr. Rick. Zeef is our guest today, so uh, look forward to part one of a two-part interview with him. It's chock full of all kinds of really awesome information. And of course, as always, we want to keep this an open, as open a dialogue as possible, so we got a couple of Twitter questions in that interview, which we're really excited about, plus your emails and voicemails coming up. <laughs> All right, so hey everybody, how you guys doing? Fifty-five. It's something very episodes. symmetrical about that. <laughs> Two five. Yeah, it is kind of. I'm doing jazz hands, and you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> that, that number does make you want to do jazz hands, doesn't it? I don't know why I kind of feel the same yeah. urge. We can't stop the jazz hands. Trev is doing jazz hands just like me. <laughs> I wrote so, that. So, um, what's going on, dude? I mean, we haven't put put out an episode for uh, two weeks. We, we've been yeah. we've been okay. It's yeah. just two weeks, um, you know, and and that's in the middle of rehearsals and 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 everything else, you know, that we've got going on. Yeah, <clears throat> starting a production company, but who cares about that? Uh, <laughs> we did have two, we we did we have two, we had two production meetings between we the did. last episode and yeah. this one and they were really like <clears throat> fruitful <laughs> meetings oh too. definitely yeah we, we got, got a lot, lot of got a, oh, out there jinx jinx <laughs> yeah we got a lot of stuff we talked about a lot of stuff and yeah. uh yeah it's it's really good we're we're for anybody who's curious we're just sort of in the middle of putting together our business plan um because you can't really have a successful business without a plan so yeah. and, and it's also something you'll need if you want to get <laughs> financing that all starts with a basically a mission statement mm-hmm. really yeah, and you you have to kind of show that to investors to show them that you're serious, and you know yeah. it means it means a lot to to, to potential investors. Yeah. So, uh, but in addition to that, I had I'm sure I mean I don't know if people care or are curious, but I had my meeting with um, one Mr. Scott Manners mm-hmm. of Stone Manners Sounders that I talked about in the last episode. And um, and and I wish that I could have somehow recorded that. <laughs> and put it out as some like extra content uh, on our website because there's no way in hell I'll be I'll ever be able to relay to anyone all of the stuff that happened in there, all of the 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 things that I did that I regret, and all the things that I did that I that I thought I did well, and all the things that he said and did. It was very intimidating, but I don't know if that was coming from him or me and i think it was coming from me you know um he's very intelligent 
And I like that because I like having conversations with intelligent people. He's very intelligent. That's weird. And he's very... What? <laughs> oh, that I like having conversations with intelligent well, I mean, people. Who doesn't, you know? <clears throat> Unless you don't like to feel stupid. <laughs> I've got gem for brain. <laughs> there, were, there were some things that I definitely, you know, would not do the same if I had the chance to do it again. But at the same time, overall, I was very happy with the way that it went down. There were some things that you did in the meeting that you would not do again? Yeah. Yeah. In okay. the, like in, in, in meeting with, yeah. in meeting with him. Anything you want to Yeah. The, well, there's a couple of things in particular. Let me start with the, with the wins first. Cool. Um, little feedback sandwich here. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Positive, negative, positive feedback sandwich i hate that term so much i feel like it's uh, you and i are t- between the two of us we're just chock full of corporate you know corporate <laughs> that's speak true that's concepts. true damn thrival jobs Grr. area of opportunity <laughs> stop now i'm gonna cry um i looked him in the eye a lot almost the entire time i was very relaxed you know kicking back just trying to be relaxed and just to just to quickly, I'm sorry, I, sh- I should have done this two minutes ago, but to quickly refresh for our listeners, this is the agent that previously was like, uh, I can't use this guy, I can't use him, get him out of here. Right. And now he turned around and was like, who is this guy? Give me his headshot, I want a meeting. Right. So so this was awkward on a couple levels and well, also he, see, he, 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 really he, satisfying on a couple levels. Yeah, he, he resolved that almost right off the bat because as soon as he sat down, he goes, so... I guess I am the roadblock here. Okay. First words out of his mouth. That's one of the things I enjoyed about the conversation is he's very transparent and he's very passionate and he loves what he does and he loves actors, used to be one, and he really takes his job seriously, like really seriously. Um, I, and he said multiple times, I feel as though I'm holding people's hopes and dreams in my hands and I don't you know, mess around with that. Like I take that seriously. And I thought that was so refreshing because yes, he has a business to run and he said that too. And yes, he's got to make money in order to keep the lights on and keep everybody happy and fed that works for him and, and happy and fed that are his clients. He also said that, you know, the goal of art is to bring the human race closer to love. Wow. Word for word. His words, not mine. So this is no uh, Ari Gold character. Exactly. He's, not, he's not a shark. He actually <clears throat> cares he, about. He what totally he's doing. cares about what he's doing, and so I think we found common ground in that. It's great. And one of the one of my favorite quotes from the sort of feedback that I got from Sandy, my manager, after the fact is uh, he said he said he is way too smart to be an actor. What is he? What is he doing being an actor? <laughs> that was fantastic and just goes to show kind of you know the directions in which the conversation led yeah yeah one of the things that i definitely wanted to talk about um now that you all know that it went well i asked a question he asked me if i had any questions and i don't know what i should have said you know maybe like you know are you married you know have any kids how are your kids like you know just kind of like you know take it in a direction he might not expect or like have him talk about himself but what I asked instead was the sort of quintessential actor question in a meeting with representation, which was, what do you look for in a client? Which is stupid on a whole bunch of different levels, and here's why. I pretty much know the answer to that question. 
he's looking for people who he can make money off of. He runs a business, right? He look he's looking for people with credits. That's why they haven't signed me yet because I don't have any. He's looking for people who are more established. He's looking for people who he knows are going to work and work hard. If you are not signed with someone yet, don't ask a question that's going to force them to sit there and tell you why you're not signed with them yet. Hmm. So you feel really pretty badly about it's that? It's sort of psychology. No, I don't. I don't regret it as much as, as... Well, let's put it this way. It didn't turn out as badly as it could have. But if you're not signed with somebody, don't ask a question that's going to give them an open invitation to talk about the reasons why you're not it. I had a, when I first came out to LA to quickly interject a mini story that complements this, um, I made contact with a few agents that were, Mm -hmm. you know, friends of friends of neighbors, dog walkers, friends, people, you know, like, (laughs) like way down the line connection. Sure. So, uh, I had a couple of connections with them and this one guy, I met with him when I came out here for like a week to kind of like get the lay of the land. And then I went back to Philly and I emailed or I mailed him rather follow up. And then we, we talked on the phone and he asked me a question about the music that I do. And I said, oh, you know, it's kind of this and it's kind of that. And he stopped me right away. And he said, Trevor. I think you told this story on the podcast did before. I? Yeah, I remember. It's one of my favorites. So keep going. Yeah, but yeah, I remember the story. He stopped me and he said, he said, the fact that you are wishy-washy about how to describe that or, or the, the fact that you even hesitate and don't know exactly what it is, don't give people a reason to say no. Know exactly what your pitch is and just go in there and just get it. Right? Give it right away. Right. So that kind of reminded me of, of what you were just saying. It's like you almost feel like maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, you gave him a reason maybe to say no. Yeah. Well, I asked the question. Yeah. I said, I said, what do you look for in a client? Not you. Could have been the answer. Could have been. <laughs> wow. It could have been. I mean, okay, it, it, we'll see you later. <laughs> well, all right. I'll see you. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, but I'm just saying like, go into these meetings. If you're going into a meeting with a manager and agent, if you manage to land that, first of all, congratulations. It's not easy, especially if they're top tier, like Stone Manor Sounders. That's a B. Just relax and have a conversation with somebody because if they're not going to rep- represent who you are, then then that's not the agent for you anyway. Mm-hmm. And who you are incorporates all kinds of things. Yes, including your credits, your work, your training, and your personality. I feel like that's a big secret among younger develop, you know, quote unquote developmental <laughs> actors is that you, your selling point is you. It's not yeah. you walking in and being like, I have to be professional. I have to be this. I have to be that. Like they're going to eat you up just as much. If you own walking in there with like an undershirt and like ripped jeans as they will, if you walk in there with a suit, but if you, if you, as long as it, that's who you are, if you, yeah, if that's who you are and you own it and you're just like, this is me. Cause that's what this, that's what differs about this industry. I think than from so many others, like you don't dress up for a job interview in this industry. You dress as who you are and you bring who you are to that because yeah. all the work we do is who we are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. So, you know, I, I, w- I was, you know, very, he, he said at the end of the meeting, uh, you know, you're very present. You're totally here in this room. He's like, your presence is like, you know, basically he was talking about like stage presence, but in, in this room, you know, you're totally present. You're totally here. He's like, I can tell you're serious about what you do. And so the, you know, to conclude basically what's going to happen is they're going to come, he and two of the other agents from the, uh, from the office are going to come see gospel according to first squad. Kick ass. And basically he said at that point, you know, we'll talk again and either we'll stay kind of where we are now or, 
you know, we'll move on to being something else. Cool. Kind of vague, kind of not vague. I I mean, I I get what he's talking about because I'm being, you know, sort of hip pocketed. But he said, I mean, he said something that I kind of already knew, but that was very, very cool, which is he said, he said, you you know, you already have half an office working for you, (laughs) you know, which I was like, well, that kind of made me, that put a big smile on my face. Yeah, yeah. So do you have uh, a, a plan to maybe follow up in the next couple of weeks somehow via email to let them know what's new? Or, or I guess the relationship doesn't change now, does it? Yeah. I mean, he, knows, just, he, knows, he knows who I am. We've met face-to-face now. That was a big win. You know, the fact cool. that I was sitting in an office was a big win. And so I don't think I need to do any follow-up, especially since my manager has already, already been talking to him. Great. I am having lunch with the, agents that, with the agent that is hip-pocketing me next week. Um, just because he, he's funny. He wanted to talk to me about the meeting, but he didn't want Scott to think to that I was right there. He didn't want yeah. Scott to think I was recapping it to him. Like right then and there play by play. All right. To try it out. I walked in and he looked <laughs> yeah, exactly, at me like this. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we're going to, we're going to go to lunch to talk about it. So cool. It's, cool. Cr- it's crazy that I'm talking about all this on the podcast. This does is, it feel, does it feel weird to you on a level to be like, yeah, I'm going out to lunch with this agent and I had a meeting with this agent. Like, does that sound at all like crazy to the 13 year old you that's still in there somewhere i think if i was doing the same if i was saying the same words two years ago it would but for yeah. some reason this podcast has made it just like this is my job yeah it just it just becomes normal and it's so yeah. weird because i every once in a while i catch myself and go oh my god i sound so la la i'm going to a yoga class i'm having lunch with my agents <laughs> i'm doing this i'm doing that <laughs> And it's so funny because I don't even think twice about it anymore, but like the me from five years ago would be like, dude, you're a douche. What the hell happened to you? You know? <laughs> so, so, so what's been going on with you, Mr. LA? <laughs> uh, well, you know, the uh, film that I <clears throat> just wrote and shot. <laughs> and there it is. Um, yeah, I saw a rough cut of that. Um, Mike Strat, the editor. Sent me a rough cut uh, early this week, and uh, and I watched it, and you know it's a rough cut. There's no the the, the editing's still rough. The there's some work that needs to be done. There's there's the sound needs to be refined. You know it's not color corrected. So I had to keep all that in mind as I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the narrative is very clear, so I'm, I'm oh, really good. happy about that. It's extremely difficult to watch myself, even more so than usual, because these words that we're saying are words that I wrote that I decided I hated a long time ago, but it was like the the process was too far along for me to just like abandon you know, shit. Yeah, and I and from what I understand that's the that's the arc of a of a writer is that you you think the words you're writing are the most brilliant thing in the world when they come out of your fingers <laughs> and then like two weeks later you can't stand them and you never want to see them again. I remember Mariana Polka talking about that when she was yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. She was so. like one week I could be the most brilliant person in the pl- on the planet, the next week I just hate everything I write. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally I totally hear you, man. So uh, that's that's really it, you know. Between that, uh, I actually just got an email right before we started recording here from Mark, who said that he uh, he sat down with Mike today and they they went through the footage and had a good session. And then there's a, a little bit of polishing that needs to be done, but that he's really happy with it. So nice. I'm at the point where I just I got to the point really before we started shooting where I was just like, Mark, I trust you 100. percent I have no perspective. Like you, this is your this is your baby from now on. Yeah, you kind well, you kind of have to do that, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you acted and wrote. You you wrote you wrote it and then acted it in like that that in and of itself is like really tough. Um, so I I, I total I have so much respect for you for ha- basically completely handing over the director's eye 
to someone else's eyes. You know. Well, eventually I do want to learn to direct my own stuff too. So this is going to be a big learning experience to see what choices Mark makes, why he makes them, and then for me to see after the fact how those paid off. That picture and then compare it to how I was feeling beforehand and just kind of take that experience into the next project. Um, And I'm already thinking it's so cool how empowering it is to have... Have something under my belt like this, yeah. Whether or not it turns out well, and I'm, I'm sure Mark's going to make it brilliant, but like, no matter what happens with it, my confidence level is so high right now because I, I look around and I go, "What story do I want to tell next? Yeah, you know, what do I want to say next?" And and I, I'm already thinking about how I can upgrade. Like the next one's going to be like a multi-location, multi-day thing, you know. Yeah. And and it's it's really cool to kind of you know that that looking glass self inside of me is like observing me grow you know it's kind of a neat a neat thing well i'm glad to see good i'm glad to see you smiling about the process instead of (laughs) instead of like because last time i was crying about it (laughs) not crying but close Close. but yeah it reminds me of um what tony rago said when he came on the podcast you know what story do you want to tell yeah if i gave you a million bucks right now or was that mark who said that if i give you a million bucks right now it was what what story gosh it was alan barton Barton. i think tony said i think mark said something of that sort too i think a lot of our guests said A couple of emails that we got to get to, right? Yes, we have two emails that we wanted to respond to on today's episode. The first one comes to us from Nikhil. Um, and do you want to take this one, or? Um yeah, uh, Nikhil basically he's he's got a thrival job. He's living in Sac- Sacramento, but he's been um, you know uh, commuting to San Francisco once a week so he can take acting classes and whatnot. And. Um, <clears throat> The teacher that he has has talked about connections he has with theater companies in the area that offer internship programs where you get your equity card as part of that um, internship. And so his his real question is is less about these classes and the thrival job situation and all that. It's more about the, the, the unions. He, he says, uh, would it be more beneficial to work with a theater company and hop on the road to easily obtaining my equity card or move to L.A. and take classes from a reputable acting school? I guess the root of my question is how hard is it to get a SAG card and is it substantially easier to get one with an equity card? Well, you're equity. So I, I wanted to kick this question your way. Yeah. So first things first, we talked about this in the episode with Micah Scott, the the sort of tax episode that we had, which is that, the, or the, maybe it was the episode after that, that the formula of do X, Y, and Z when you get to Los Angeles isn't necessarily necessary right off the bat so i just i want to say first of all nikhil that i don't want you believing that you have to have your sag card in order to do any kind of work right in town have your materials in order your headshot build be building your reel <laughs> things like that but but union memberships i think are one of those things that just kind of come when they come well i mean you know if you, if anybody, anybody listens to this podcast knows that you and i work a lot and we go out on auditions and so on and so forth and i'm i'm not sag are you sag I'm sag eligible sag eligible but I well so work. am i but and it's because of equity so i'm going to talk about that okay but, great um what were you going to say i was going to say i had a weird 
kind of journey to my SAG eligibility kind of snuck up on me. I don't think I went through the proper routes, or maybe I was Taft Hartley. There's no such thing as a proper route. I have no idea how it really... I know how it happened, but it doesn't seem like I did enough to get it. So for me, it was extremely easy. So easy that I didn't even know it it had happened. We Um, should have you tell that story then at at some point. Sure. Well, do you want to talk about the equity card first? Sure. So if you are equity... If you're a member of any of the the, the sister unions, um, you can buy your way into the other unions if you are in good standing with your dues paid and everything for a year. So, like, right now, I'm technically SAG eligible. If anybody were to call the SAG offices and ask them that, it wouldn't show up in their computers. So, if anybody said, hey, is A.J. Meyer, Meyer SAG eligible? They'd be like, uh, no, like, we don't really know who that person Wait, is. Wait, so since you're <clears throat> equity, you can buy into SAG at any point without yes. being eligible? Yep. Yeah. So I'm after. Does that mean I could buy into? How I mean, long have you? I wasn't. How I, long have you been after? Almost like almost two years. Yeah, absolutely. Could yeah. I buy into equity if I wanted to? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'm pretty sure. I mean, if if there's a listener out there who wants to dispute this, I know I, we're probably going to get an email from Ben Whitehair or something like that. But great, great. Yeah, I which would be awesome guy. to clar- to clarify this for us. But I'm fairly certain that if you are a member of one of the the, the sister unions. Uh, what do they call them? The four A's, right? Yeah. A- Actors Equity, SAG, AFTRA, AGVA, I think AGVA, counts as well. Yeah. And, and you, you are with them for a year and you're in good standing and your dues are paid and blah, blah, blah. You can buy your way into the other unions. Interesting. Right? So you don't have to do your your uh, hours for equity or your uh, vouchers Right, your for SAG. E- EMC, Equity Membership Candidate, hours for, for, for equity um, or get your vouchers for SAG. I mean, that's just one path sure. to that. You know, and once again, going back to what we were just saying, you don't necessarily have to have that car, that SAG card just because you're you're living and and working and 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 making it as an actor in Los Angeles. Um, <clears throat> and and not to mention, I'm sorry to jump in here real fast, but um, there's this loophole, this new media loophole with SAG, so you can get yourself eligible for your SAG card. Ex- like crazy easily if you just produce your own web series. I'm so glad you said that because I did want to sort of direct people in the direction of. Um, uh, Bonnie Gillespie for something like that. You know, she not only does she, is that something that she talks about a lot in her um, in her article that she that she writes on um, her uh, show, her Showfax column her, her Showfax column her her blog that she writes, but she also teaches a class called Class Rules, um, and we'll put the we'll put the link on our our website. But it's like a four week class, and you meet once a week, and and each week it focuses on a different aspect of the entertainment industry and one of them is about not only self-producing but self-getting your sag card <laughs> like, getting your you know what i mean card. like basically making well it done. so that you 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 taft hartley yourself yeah you know yeah um, david lawrence has a website called actinganswers.com that i cannot recommend enough the guy is just a wealth of information and mm, uh, he's got mm-hmm. a whole great article on uh, on the process as well there you go. So there's a couple of different things you can take a look yeah. at. Well, we'll put links to those on the website. <clears throat> so with equity, you had to earn your hours, um, and that wasn't too terribly difficult. It was more just like a putting in your putting in the time. See, with equity, I was sort of if there was such a thing, Taft Hartley into equity. Okay. There, there isn't such a thing. Um, that's a SAG exclusive term. But um, I was cast in a show. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I was cast in a show two years in a row. Um, here at uh, the Getty Villa, which is a, a Lord Theater, and so when I signed my contract there, I could have at that very moment bought into equity um, because it was an equity contract. An, sorry, an equity principal contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, when I did the, when I did the show the first time, 
I didn't know about that, and so I didn't bother. And and then like there's like this period where you have to do it within a certain period of signing the equity principal contract. So when I did it the second year, I was like, oh, I better I better get my shit together and do it this time. So when I signed the second equity principal contract a year later, I paid my dues to to equity. And equity's a lot. Um, gentler on the wallet if you will because not only is the are the uh, total dues uh less than than sag but you also don't have to pay them all at once mm-hmm. with sag you have to pay the all twenty eight thousand dollars or whatever that's why i haven't joined yet <laughs> right that's why a lot of us haven't joined yeah. yet because there's no reason to you know it's like if you're going to cast me in something big just taft harley me or something anyway yeah. you can still get you can still go out on auditions even if you're not sag yeah and you can still work the projects i think if you work uh, a certain number of hours or a certain number of days and then you have to join but being right. eligible is a nice sweet spot yeah yeah absolutely um so so i i I did my at the time it was like fourteen hundred dollars total for equity, and you could pay the first half right up front, and then the the, the second half you had like two years or something to pay the other right. the other half. So, um, so that's that's how I that's how I got my equity uh, card, and 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 now I'm SAG eligible because of it. So cool, cool. Uh, lots of info to kill, and you've got you know those links you can check out on our website. So go and um, and 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 check that out. Great. We've got another question now from a listener named Matthew. Uh, he wrote in, basically said uh, he's got a short story by a, a guy named Raymond Carver that he wants uh, to develop into a script, um, or rather adapt, and then film it, uh, I think, did he say for his, yeah, he says basically for his reel, screen it for friends, things like that. He says, but he wants to make sure that uh, it's okay to do this, you know, like, is he going to step on anybody's toes with copyright infringement, This, you know, things of, of that nature. Um, yeah, and well, it's he's sort of got a two-part question because not only does he want to use it as real material and, and that kind of thing, but he's then he said if you if it turns out great and we do decide to submit it to festivals or try to make a buck or two out of out of out of it, how do we go about getting the rights? Right. <clears throat> and uh, you know, Trev and I talked about this before we started recording, and we were saying like we don't we don't really want to give people legal advice yeah this might be a little out of our our league so it might be a little out of our league but trev has an awesome experience that i think speaks to this really well yeah what what i did uh years and years ago um when i i don't know i guess i'd been in in the city for a couple years um i uh i i did a scene in an acting class that was from this this one act play and uh, it went really well. We decided, my scene partner and I decided to take it to this showcase. And that showcase is eventually how I got my manager using this scene and then my agent by extension. And here I am today. Um, and this, this, this was something that I took that I liked the idea of, but I wanted to make a few tweaks. So I, I didn't, you know, really see any problem with just kind of going in and rewriting the scene a little bit. And uh, I did like five or six drafts of... of rehashing this scene almost to the point where it wasn't even recognizable as the original one act. And so I shortened it down to like five pages and I condensed stuff and I changed words and I changed dialogue, changed the characters' names, changed the name of the the thing. And eventually it was something that was similar, but different. And inspired. So it was, yeah, it was inspired by, I think. And I, I, you know, I didn't have any problems. I wasn't trying to make money off it. We did shoot it and it, it was footage on my reel for a while, but, um, 
maybe that's the way to go with something like this. It's just take the general idea sure. and see what kind of other, you know, permutations there are on that and, mm-hmm. then, and then write something similar, but that's not, you know, and, and if maybe if you do put inspired by in there, maybe that you do need to get permission. Maybe you don't, I, I don't really know, mm-hmm. but I, I would say that that's probably the best way to go and the cheapest way to go. Unless you have a direct line to Raymond Carver and can yeah, that, that's, get his permission. I, that's I, the next I thing no I was going to say is I, we, we are, we're bad boys and we didn't, uh, <laughs> we didn't Google Raymond Carver's name, but, um, if he's alive, it's a lot different than if he's dead. If he's been dead for, what is it like a hundred years or something like that? It's to, it's totally out of copyright. Yeah, I, think, I think if it's 70 years is the, is yeah. the time frame. If it's, if the work is older than 70 years, it's in the public domain and you can do whatever the hell you want with it. Right. Unless there, and there's some, there's some exceptions to that where like, if it's owned by some kind of like a state, which he does mention the, the Raymond, so maybe he is dead, the Raymond Carver state, if it's owned by some kind of a state, then, then they may still main, maintain or retain the rights to that and so you know the best thing you do is just get in touch with them um because they may have an agent that they'll refer you to or you might be able to do some research and find out what that agent that literary agent who that literary agent is and get in touch with them instead and that's who would kind of handle all those things but i'm sure if you figure out some way of contacting them and then do so and tell them what you want to do um and that you've been so inspired by this story and whatnot they'll they'll be hopefully generous enough to respond to you i mean who knows but um I think I think that people like to hear that you like their work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, hope that helps. Thank you guys so much for writing in. Um, like as as we like to say in this podcast, we are we are two dudes looking for the answers. We don't necessarily have all the answers. So anybody who listened to these responses that AJ and I had that might think differently. Uh, let us know. Get in touch with us. Call us. Email us. Tweet at us. Or would like to correct us. Yeah, or correct us. That would be awesome. We we this podcast we like to think of as as a dialogue, and we want you guys to have as as much time kind of on the microphone, voicing your take on things as as we do. Uh, so let us know how you feel and what you're thinking. Cool. So we have part one of our interview with. Uh, ultra multi-hyphenate Rick Zeef. This guy does a little bit of everything, but this interview really focuses on his voiceover work, and he's got a lot of of gems in here. So enjoy the first part, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Hey guys, this is AJ, and I'm sitting here with Trevor, and we are so excited to have on the podcast uh, another true multi-hyphenate, but uh, someone who has really made a name for themselves in the voiceover industry, uh, which is something we have not had on the podcast yet, and I'm so excited that we do uh, have Mr. Rick Zeef today. Hello there. Hi, thank you so much for being here. We Thanks really for having appreciate me. it. So we usually like to start off right off the bat just kind of finding out where our guests kind of got their start. And before we started recording, you said uh, you did some stage work in New York. Yeah, I was a stage actor in New York City for many, many years before I even knew which end of a microphone to talk into. And this was a while back when you had actors and you had commercial people and, and there were different camps really. And voiceovers was still an odd stepchild of even those camps. Um, but after doing a lot of theater and uh, 
getting on in my 20s, I realized that it just wasn't cool or sexy to live out of stolen milk crates for furniture anymore. And I thought, wow, I got to make some money at this. Uh, you know, experimental theater, you know, so far off Broadway, I was in Jersey. Uh, it just, it was great and it was my passion, but I needed to make a living. Right. And so I, uh, someone said, hey, there's money in commercials. Again, a world, it seems weird nowadays to say never, never occurred to me because back in those days, you're a theater actor. It did not really occur to me to be uh, a commercial actor. So I started doing on-camera commercials, and um, it was a wonderful supplement to my acting habit. Um, and I got my first voiceover job never having studied it. It was because I was hired to do a campaign of on-camera ads that also included radio spots. So here I am in a studio. I don't know what to do with a microphone. Uh, I am the voice of this particular product. But the um, <laughs> the tagline is being done by the one and only Don Pardo, if you know who that is from. It's Saturday night! The guy's been doing it forever. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And I'm there sweating like Nixon trying to get the copy to sound good. I don't really know what I'm doing. And uh, I'm in there for a long time doing these radio commercials. And in comes Don Pardo. And it's dead of winter. And he's got this long, like, camel cashmere coat with a bright red muffler and he he doesn't even unbutton his coat he comes up to the microphone takes off his muffler and he said his tagline like three times and he said well, thank you and he's and he left and i'm like that's <laughs> cool i want that life that's that a gig. living the dream yeah it was, it was really very cool so i realized that you know i did want to go into voiceovers i also was realizing that the invisibility of voiceover brought with it the availability of playing a much wider array of roles I was going to play on screen and certainly on stage. Um, and so I started to study it and move into the voiceover world. My passion is still acting and stage work. It's a luxury I don't afford myself as much anymore, living here in California now. But it was a Broadway play that I did that was moved out to uh, what's now the West, the Geffen Playhouse was the Westwood Playhouse back in those days. So we did a, a, a midwinter stint here, and I'm thinking, mid-February, <laughs> 75 degrees. Yeah. I can get used to this. What's wrong with <laughs> yeah. this? So I, so I stayed out here, and um, theater is you know, sort of a luxury I don't do very often, but it's, it's in my blood. You know? My next two questions were going to be, what brought you to L.A., and how did you get into voiceover? <laughs> so you kind, of, you, you kind of beat me to it. Um, yeah. Why don't we jump into uh, a, a listener question, and hopefully that'll stem into some other uh, other questions as well. This comes from our listener, uh, Tamara. She said, uh, how does Rick suggest getting a voiceover agent? Now, I, I saw you at uh, the Showbiz Expo where you gave this uh, this lecture on um, you know myths of, in, of the voiceover industry. Uh-huh. You did talk about this a little bit, but she says, I have a, a reel or reels available, uh, but lack the contacts. So do you suggest mass mailing? or how would you suggest going after getting a voiceover agent? People entering the industry now are, are doing so at a very interesting and curious time. There, there's a big change in the model of, of pursuing voiceover work. Uh, the old model, it's easier to talk about what it was and now what it is, was work really hard, hone your craft, make a demo, find an agent in the city you were living in, New York or Chicago or Los Angeles, and then dump your career in their lap. And it was sort of a going steady <laughs> process. 
<laughs> you know, and that's kind of what it was. And you waited for the phone to ring, and you had that sort of going steady period. And if it worked out after six months or a year, you would re-sign a contract and stay with them. And if it didn't go well, if they either, either they weren't getting you auditions or you weren't booking jobs, uh, it, would, it, would, it would take all that time to sort of figure it out that it was not a good representation situation, and you'd seek other representation. Things have changed so much in this sort of digital world where you no longer have to dump your career in one lap. You can have an agent in Los Angeles, another one in Dallas or San Francisco or Atlanta or Milwaukee, wherever you like. Um, th the game has become so splintered that you could be pursuing agent representation in all these different places, get an influx of text from all these different resources. You now, you're now going to record these things from your home, on your laptop or home computer, and a simple microphone plugged in, nothing fancy. The, the idea of home studio is basically a USB-plugged yeah. microphone into yeah. your computer. That's your home studio. And the search for those people is, is relatively easy. They're all available online to, to find. You go to voicebank.net is the company that houses all of the information of all these agencies. There's a list of uh, all the t talent agencies, union, non-union, splintered all over the country with all their contact info. So you've got to mail your demo, email MP3, or link your demo to these entities. And the oddity is I've had students who I've produced demos for that have gotten signed in several cities, just not L.A., and you think, oh, I don't have an, an L.A. agent yet. And it's, it's not that big a deal to them yet. Eventually... You may want a local agent here because the thinking is in New York and L.A., the bigger jobs are going to pass through those areas, those agencies, those, those ad people. But this one person I'm thinking of is signed with three or four agents spread around the country. She gets text, copy, emailed to her all throughout the week. She records them and sends them back. If she gets a gig, she is going to record it in a local studio and be phone patched to that entity wherever they may be. So the search for agent is the same as it ever was, dear Miss Tamara, Tamara uh, and others. Um, in other words, it's taking your killer demo and marketing it blindly to these entities. The benefit now is there are more of these people you can market to. So, mm -hmm. so it's a different, a very different game, and I think a better one. So is there anything that we should be aware of in addition to voicebank.net in terms of shopping it out to these quote-unquote entities? I, I would say that would be the, the go-to because it's sort of a catch-all for all these places. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, a quick thought of what VoiceBank is. It is the, the online entity that has sort of married all the talent agencies to all of the advertising agencies. So there's a very secure pipeline when a, when a project is created and, and such and such uh, advertising agency is going to create a, a Doritos commercial. They're going to invite whatever talent agencies they want to. Those auditions are sent back through that secure pipeline back. There's the pipeline. Uh, actors can't bust in on that if they're not represented. Um, addition Additional to having an actual agent and getting in that pipeline, there are some online casting resources as well. Um, you may have heard of some of these Voice One, Two, Three, and uh, you know some of these entities where you can pay a yearly fee, upload your demo, and they sort of act as a a clearinghouse. I wouldn't call them an agent or an agency. Basically, a casting director or producer can upload a project and. Actors who are up on that website can either have their demos heard there and be invited to the audition, or it could be a blanket audition, and those people can submit home-recorded auditions back to that entity. Um, 
what I have found in, in the work I've done and the research I've done and the people I've talked to, most of, of those are, hey, work is work. It's great. It seems to be skewed much more to non-union, lower-paying gigs, but a wonderful place to start and um, to get experience, build up a new reel that is replacing fake spots with real spots. Um, and that sort of, dare I say, bottom feeder producer today who's doing a very low-budget project now doesn't want to be there forever. They want to grow and, and do Doritos commercials and Budweiser campaigns and cartoons. So getting in good with someone who's at the beginning of their game on the other side of the glass is, is a very reasonable business model. So you, you almost don't need an agent to start. You can really just use a service like Voices.com or Voice123 and just kind of you know, hammer away at those non-union, those kind of low-paying mm-hmm. yep. jobs until you kind of build up, and then you can start pursuing an agent. Absolutely. I mean, there are even gigs on Craigslist. I mean, you've got to comb yeah. a little carefully there, but, but there are some of those resources. Absolutely. Cool. It, it almost feels like it's um, – voiceover feels like – I don't know if maybe you've noticed this in your experience maybe with your classes and, and your demo – production, but I feel like so many actors are just flooding the voiceover market now because it's so doable. All of a yeah. sudden, people are realizing, all I need is a, an AT2020 mic <laughs> with my laptop, and I have a home studio, and I'm going to make tons of money just talking into my, my computer all day, you know? Right. But I mean, I feel like it's the competition has grown so much in the past couple of years. and It really has. So, so how, do you, how do you navigate that? I mean, I, it's no different than being an actor, you know? submitting to projects and having an agent. But, I mean, I feel like it's super competitive because you'll hear about guys that are just like investment bank. Well, investment bankers probably aren't hurting, but, you know, they have a, another job and they're just like, yeah, you know, I thought I'd start up a voiceover business and make some money on the side. So how do you compete with all this stuff? It, well, you know, it's very true what you say, but where more and more people are flooding to the game because the secret is out, that is cool. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. There are more and more jobs available to us with, with burgeoning new technologies. I mean, in, in my sort of tenure in voiceovers, websites didn't talk yet. Imagine in my sort of career time, so to speak, suddenly websites had audio content. That's new. On-hold messaging. Uh, video games have exploded. Audiobooks have exploded. There's exponentially more work if indeed there are exponentially more people seeking those jobs. So the game has changed. In, in light of what I said to Tamara earlier, um, when you have more talent agencies at your fingertips, you've got to remember they have more jobs passing through their fingertips as well. So the way the math works is you get a lot more at-bats now if you are good at what you do and you're out there having representation. You will have more at-bats than you used to. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is a given producer or casting director has many more options, many more opportunities at their fingertips. Do they listen to every submission? Possibly not. But if an advertiser or producer says, hey, I'm casting for this thing, and they just blanket it out on those online resources, they will literally get thousands of auditions. Right. So um, the game has changed. If you are better than average at what you do, this model works in your favor, just mathematically. More opportunities means more work for you. I would rather go up against hundreds of people, but getting many more auditions than fewer auditions if I weren't as good. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, if if you're good at what you do, I think this new model works well for you. So yes, there are a lot more people, to answer your question, flooding this and loving it and having a great time with it. I don't find that a daunting proposition any more proposition any more than an actor does who pursues acting with you know again 
low-budget features and webisodes and all kinds of new burgeoning outlets for their co- uh, craft as well. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. Yeah, it's interesting uh, discussing the parallels between the two. It's uh, I never really thought of that before. That's really interesting. Absolutely analogous. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they yeah. they parallel each other extremely. Yeah. yeah. The only difference is, that, well, I mean, I guess we can't get emailed. I mean, there's video submissions now. You can video. You can you can you know. Submit, yeah, you can do that. You can yeah. do online submissions through that's, video. That's growing in popularity for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked about that when we went to Showbiz Expo, actually, because some of the panelists they were talking about the idea of um, uh, submitting your video audition on the sort of actors access type sites. Um, so yeah, I guess you and, and you I'm, must think for on camera. It, it is very much like. The audition almost becomes a callback. You know they've been on your Actors Access web uh, place right. to see your demo first. They've seen your video first. Your headshot and resume submitted in is a bit of a clearinghouse as well. So voiceovers doesn't mm. really have a clearinghouse. Perhaps they've listened to that demo online and said, uh-huh. yeah, that's a person I want to read my text. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is very much like that. I mean, on-camera actors... Um, there's a lot more work for, the, for them. I think that the headshot and resume is a clearinghouse. They've watched your demo. It's a clearinghouse. Um, but it's very much the same to me. Now, you've mentioned uh, the demo reel a couple of times, and I know it's something that's not just important but pretty much essential to this, uh, this industry and, and to uh, someone becoming successful in this industry. You bet. I, I, I stirred up a little bit of a controversy um, on Twitter the day that I was at Showbiz Expo because I was quoting a lot of the panelists on Twitter, obviously giving credit, but quoting people and what they were saying. And one of the things I quoted you as saying was... Um, you talk it wasn't about, me. You talk I never about, said that. You <laughs> took it out of context. I plead the fifth. Well, here's your chance to redeem yourself okay. <laughs> or defend yourself or what have you. Go right ahead. Uh, you said you can fool the experts with a good demo, you know, and it's one of the only times in the industry where you can quote unquote lie on your resume because on a good voiceover demo reel, even if you've never had any gigs, you put it together correctly, it's going to sound like you did, you know, a Chevy Silverado commercial or what have you. Right. And so um, I, I tweeted this and I got immediately several responses from. Uh, our followers and sort of the Twitterverse of people saying, no, you'll be caught. Don't do that. Actors don't listen to this, like all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just quoting what I heard at Show Biz Expo, but this is awesome that this stirred up the hive because yeah. I, I totally agreed with you when I first heard it, and then all of a sudden all these people were saying, like, no. So well, what's I, your response I stand by those that? quotes. They're, they're 100% accurate. Let me, let me explain what I mean. And maybe the word lie is a, is a knee-jerk word. I'm not a big proponent of lying. Um, let's take a step back and think about the word demo, short for demonstration. When you want to demonstrate what you do to somebody, we want to think about how do we want that to be perceived. And if you are using your demo to get an agent, which is the main thrust, your initial thrust of making this package, you want that listener to think what? And the knee-jerk answer for most people is, I want them to hear my skill set, or I want them to think that I'm talented or hear that I'm good. Mm -hmm. And I like to take it a step further. I want that listener to think that I am working, that I am a proven 
commodity, that I'm an earner. That That's a perception money, yeah. that I can make the money. Because yeah. remember, um, agents are not in the art business. We are in the art business. They're in the money business. That was another one of the quotes that I okay. tweeted. <laughs> yeah. A very wise person said to me that, um, uh, well, I don't know if I can say this on your <laughs> Do it. We can always edit yeah. it. <laughs> no, basically the, the, the calmer version of it is there are two words in show business and art isn't one of them. Ah, ah, very wise. <laughs> in other words, they, they are they are salespeople that sell a product, and that happens to be actors. But when they listen to a demo, the ears that they're listening to it with are, hey, can we make money with this person? And if the perception is, hey, this person's already up and running, they're an earner, then indeed they're going to think that they can take you on and make some money with you. So the line of logic when I produce a demo for somebody is I want to make all the creative decision making to always gravitate back to is this going to fool a pro? That's kind of what I mean very glibly by fool a pro or fool sure. an expert. Sure, sure, sure. I want the final listener to say this this demo isn't just flipping on a mic and going, hey, here I am being beer drinking buddy next door and here I am being very salient in PSAE and here, you know, just different colors of a voice I want them to be snippets of what seem like an edited array of real gigs. So we've done it in a professional studio. We've written copy that uses real product names and real things. We have cleaned up the dialogue track of lip smacks and breaths just like they do on the radio and TV. We have auditioned the right music and sound effects that's appropriate to the branding of the product and the read that they've created so that it seems like even if it's a little 10 second snippet on a demo it seems like it's lifted from a real commercial so the lie word that i used in that quote was that voiceovers is the only venue in show business where you get to have a quote fake resume and and that's another glib thing where you're handing in your cd or your mp3 or your link to your your website and playing someone your demo if somebody said hey are these real well, there's the proof in the pudding. Are you going to say, <laughs> no, I just put them together so you could see what I could do? Or are you going to say, no, yeah, they're real. I did all these gigs. Of course I don't want people to lie. I'm, I'd be thrilled if people get to the point where they're asked that question. If someone has to ask that question, the actor has done their job quite well. That's right. propelled yeah. the question, are they real or fake? So the idea of this is a venue where you get to fake a resume. If an actor comes in for a movie and they said, yeah, no, I was in Terminator 3, and yeah, that was me and Mystic Pizza. And uh, if they come in with, you don't fake credits for TV and film. You don't say, yeah, I'm, I'm all nine lives of Chloe. That's me. Um, you, you, don't, you don't fake those kinds of credits. You get busted in those lives. It's embarrassing and just unprofessional. Uh, in voiceovers, we don't really use a picture and resume. We use our demo. Mm-hmm. And we want the demo to suggest that we have done those jobs. So to that effect, it is a fibby, lie kind of thing. So I hope that the, the Twitterdom that, that jumped down your throat um, is allayed now because I'm not a big proponent of lying. But this whole game, whether it's what you wore in your headshot or the font you choose on your resume, it's all about torquing the perception of what you're, you are to be. Am I, you know, is the woman going to have her hair up with, with all kinds of glamorous earrings or is she going to put on the flannel shirt and, ah, shucks, I just came in from chopping wood. We do that with headshots. We torque perception all the time. And so we do in a finer way with voiceover demos. Hmm. That's brilliant. Torquing perception. I yeah. like that. It's, 
it, can it's, we get it's, that it's, as a website? Torquemreception.com. Yeah, right, right. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll buy it before we post this. Yeah, uh, before right. we post this interview. <laughs> Torquemreception.com. Um, I, I have a question because there's a, there's several different kind of categories of, vo- of voiceover that actors work in. I mean, yeah. I think that the big four or five are commercial, um, IVR, which is like phone prompt, um, animation, and audiobook slash narration type stuff. Is yeah. that is that pretty much? Yeah. Uh, yes, I would say that um, narration has become sort of an umbrella term that includes a lot of corporate narration, uh-huh. um, even consumer industrials. When you buy a product and it comes with a DVD and how to put that thing together, someone narrated that, which right. is different. than audiobooks is a sort of own fairly self-contained universe. Okay. With the way you okay. market it and, and and the publishing world of of books on tape. But yeah, you know, uh, also, if you're going to include video games under an animation umbrella, certainly that, that you've covered pretty much okay. all so the So there's time. really, like, there's a lot of different categories. There's like, I guess there's about six then, six big ones. I would segment them a little bit more. You know, I, I do sort of think of animation as, you know, TV animation or even webisode animation versus video games, which is a, a very different vibe. You know, if you're doing a video game and you are recording a whole library of sounds, effects, responses, reactions, whatever, efforts, and the lines of that character in all kinds of permutations of gameplay versus an animation TV show, which has a linear script, page one, and then fade right. out at the end. Yeah. You know? So so eventually, voiceover actors want to have a demo for each one of these categories, yeah? I would say... I would verbalize it this way. Uh, an, an actor would have as many demos for venues they want to pursue. Okay. Not everybody... Sure. Is excited about going into a booth by themselves <laughs> with a book and reading for <laughs> four reading. hours. Right. <laughs> some right. people are safer with a 15 second format. Right. Uh, some people just it don't. Was the best of time. Take two. You know? Oh, dang it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Start from the beginning. Uh, yeah, that was I mean, 2,000 pages ago. <laughs> yeah. Some people, it's really exciting. You know, I do a lot of corporate narration, and they can hand me 115 pages of something I've never seen before. You don't rehearse this stuff. There are a lot of big words, and you have to try to, you know, figure out what's an acronym and what you say. And there's someone there to guide you. I love that stuff. It's a challenge. Um, and there are words that you stumble on, and there are words that make you giggle because there are, you know, weird words nested in other words, you know. Um, and um, I, I dig that. Some people say, no, I'm not doing long format. And interestingly to me, long format or just being a strong reader seems to be a slightly different skill set than being a good actor. Meaning there, there may be overlap, but they could be, as we would say in mathematics, mutually exclusive events. Meaning some people are solid actors. They're just not great readers. And I've had some really great readers that just don't have a lot of acting range in terms of either comedy or drama. Mm-hmm. They, they're fine readers for either corporate, maybe some novels that aren't real dialogue heavy, you know, okay. nonfiction. If, if an actor or somebody listening to this wanted to get started with, with voiceover, is there one demo that you feel they should focus on to, to kind of act as a catch-all demo to, in the beginning before they've really kind of established what they want to pursue? Um, most people lunge initially to commercials because I don't have exact stats for you, but it feels like commercial production dwarfs all other production added up. If you think of how splintered advertising is with TV and radio markets all throughout the country, and then online advertising, um, there's just so much production. And then when you're in a union realm, you're talking about a residual structure that doesn't exist in audiobooks, it doesn't exist in video games, it doesn't exist in um, 
corporate narration mm-hmm. or IVR. You're paid nicely for your time, and that, that's it. So I think people lunge to commercial work because it's the gift that keeps on giving with residuals, and um, there's just so much. So people say, I'm really wacky. I do all these voices. I really want to make an animation demo. I will say, great. Let's really think about this because while you're waiting for that wacky Warner Brothers cartoon to come through or that Nickelodeon cartoon to come through, there are hundreds, possibly thousands of commercial opportunities that that you might be appropriate for. I might suggest to that person, let's make a commercial demo that has a little bit more breadth to it, some character stuff in there. So the listener, the agent knows, hey, this is a person that can handle uh, some character work um, that might be appropriate for animation when it crosses their desk or or video game work. Um, but usually in the trappings of commercial text seems mm-hmm. appropriate. Cool. But per, per, per what you said earlier, you know, down the road there would be reason to have multiple demos for multiple purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, the initial arc is let's make a commercial demo and then they may want to reinvest however long later to make an animation demo and then yet again a narration or audiobook demo. Right. Okay. I think though for video games, an animation demo is usually that's sort of lumped together from a marketing standpoint. Okay, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with Rick Zeef. Part two is coming next week. Um, anything you wanted to, to touch on or debrief on before we move on to our picks of the week? Um, I kind of want to save it for the second part, yeah, but I mean... Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, he, he was just such a nice guy. Real pleasure to sit down with him and, and kind of pick his brain a little bit. And I'm so glad that we <laughs> got him because... <clears throat> Obviously, he works a ton. He's busy as hell. You guys see his. Take a look at his IMDb page. And yeah, just, and that's only like half of the stuff that we were able to dig up on him. Well, yeah, you yeah. Know? His IMDb page doesn't have any. Has a couple of his voiceover things, but not really. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's 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 amazing how many how many pots that guy has in his hand, and it's 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 kind of amazing. I and, <laughs> and he does them all very well. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I I was uh, the one who was kind of trying to coordinate the the interview with him, and it was kind of hilarious because if if he had time available, you and I didn't, and right? I know back and forth. So when he showed up for the interview, he said, "I'm the third busiest guy. Uh, I'm the third busiest guy in showbiz." And I looked at him like, "Oh, who are the first two? Like, kind of question mark on my face." And he goes, "Well, besides you guys." Like, <laughs> That's great. So it was kind of fun. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was great to sit down with Maybe him. that's an old joke, but who knows? <laughs> so uh, picks of the week. P-O-T dubs. What do you got? Uh, my pick of the week is a television show, but it's not your normal television show, and I hope that uh, people will understand where I'm coming from when I talk about this because some people might pin it as a real- reality television show, and I have a T-shirt that says Boycott Reality Television because... Yeah. I, I, think it, I think it takes jobs away from actors, and um, frankly, it's crap. But anyway, <clears throat> um, this show is a bit different um, in that it has a definite educational aspect to it. So it's not like watching the History Channel or something. But we talked about last week uh, The 4-Hour Body by um, by Tim Ferriss. And after talking about that, we actually got an email from one of our longtime listeners, Gadali, where he was talking about basically how he recently changed his whole diet and he really feels as though it changed his life. I love this email. I read it twice and I I want to read it again just because 
being somewhat of a health nut, I loved everything he said in this email. Uh, we can't read the whole thing because uh, just for time's sake. But basically, he said he just stopped eating processed foods, started eating more natural foods, and and he wasn't really focused on any area of foods like carbs versus proteins versus whatever. But the fact that he stopped eating processed foods just totally changed his his whole like he felt better he wasn't getting sick as much he was able to work out harder and longer and it it just like like trev said it was kind of inspiring to read and i was so glad that he got in touch with us after having you know done uh four hour body as my pick of the week and so i'm i got this email in the middle of watching this week's pick of the week and i thought you know what i gotta make this my my pick of the week and that is um jamie oliver's food revolution which is a show on ABC, and it stars Jamie Oliver, obviously, who, if you don't know, um, is just a very famous uh, English chef. He's from um, the UK. And the first season was in this sort of small town in, um, I can't remember exactly where it was. It's called Huntington, but it's not Huntington Beach in, uh, here in California. I can't remember exactly where it was. Um, but the idea of the show is that he goes into these places and basically tries to change the eating habits of that town and it's amazing because not only does it show you like how terribly we eat and are fed in this country um how badly we take care of ourselves but like what what we are fed and told is good and yeah all these myths that need to be dispelled yeah and he does a really good job of dispelling said myths and he says that the show is a form of activism and it's totally true yeah doesn't he usually he Forgive me if you said this. Does he go, doesn't he usually go into schools and like start with like elementary schools so, and stuff? So season two takes place in Los Angeles, and he's three or four episodes in, and he cannot get into the LAUSD. <laughs> they I ref- wonder why that is. They refuse to let him near the schools, into the kitchens, into the cafeterias. They they don't want him to see what's going on in these in these schools, and it's like really, what do you have to hide? If you, yeah, if you're if you're such an expert at at at, at what's you know at, at feeding these kids, what do you have to hide? And they refuse to 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 let him in. And all he wants to do is check it out to see what he can do to maybe educate people or what have you. Yeah. So he actually opened up this kitchen in Westwood of all places. Really? And he invites people. Yeah, you can tell by we're, watching. We're in Westwood right now. So yeah, you can. Well, cool. you can tell by watching the the video where it's located. Like I recognize it because I went to UCLA and I'm like, oh, it's Brockton, Broxton. Um, he opened this kitchen and he invited parents down and basically showed them, he he asked them to bring the food that they have in their school lunches and stuff. And they brought it and he basically like broke it down for them, like what was in it and, and well, the stuff that he knew what it was, because a lot of the stuff, it's like, what the hell is this? Right. You know, and it's all wrapped in plastic and heated in said plastic. So they're probably getting toxins leaking into their body. It's just like, oh my goodness, just terrible, terrible stuff. And, um, he he tried going to this uh, this conference for people who like it was a conference for people who feed students in California, and he was like, oh, this, these these people will will you know hear me out. They'll know they'll know what I want to say and, and and agree with me and blah blah blah. And he walks in and the first sign he sees is like how to keep flavored milk in schools, and there was a whole session in this conference on just that. How to keep oh oh how to. Gotcha, gotcha. How to keep it in schools and yeah. not lose it, basically. Right, so basically keeping sugar inside of kids 101. 
Right. Wow. I thought you meant keep as in like how to make it not spoil. No, <laughs> no, 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 how to, no, no. How to, how to keep it in the system. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and their argument was that, you know, uh, milk consumption in kids goes down 60% if it's not flavored and Milk's blah, blah, blah. awful for you anyway. Well, I mean, he's, that's a kind of a controversial thing to say, but. He stands up and he's like, I come from the UK where like our kids, you know, drink milk even though they're not, you know, it's not sugared, you know, given a bunch of sugar. Um, so he, he goes and he does this demonstration where he basically filled a school bus with sh- with the amount of sugar fed to the kids of the LUSD That's amazing. Um, in one week. And it filled up the bus, started overflowing and creating these little sugar mountains around the bus, and it took 30 minutes. Wow. One week's worth of sugar. Wow. So and anyway. sugar kill. There, there's more and more research showing how awful refined sugar <clears> is for us. Look, Trevor and I are not trying to make you feel bad about yourself, and we're not trying to make you feel bad about what you what you eat, but just get yourself educated at least. I know it can be tough. I know it's hard. Um, you know, people think that, like, oh, if they start to do research, they're going to, like, hate themselves or, like, you know, not be able to eat anything that they enjoy. It's not true. It's just about getting educated, and I think that this is a good place to start, basically, because it's entertaining and this one's takes this one takes place in LA where we're based out of. So if you're here in LA, it's fun for you because you get to see him go around to these different locations. And if you're not from LA and you listen to our podcast, it's cool because you know you get to see sort of a little bit of where we live. And it sort of takes the mask off of the whole like celebrity culture here in Los Angeles. You know, I came out here. I was like, where, where this doesn't look like the the uh, e. Where, I don't know what I'm e. True Hollywood about. story. Well, yeah, but those are usually like dark about drugs and stuff like that. But I mean, like, it didn't look as glam. I was looking for the glamour, you know. Like I was expecting the streets to be paved with gold. And yeah. It's just you walk it's down not Hollywood. like it's portrayed at all. It's just another freaking city. Yeah, you walk down Hollywood Boulevard where all the the stars oh, are. It's, I hate that place. It's, that it, place smells <laughs> it smells funny. It smells funny. That's like so the weird. pit of the city, and they're like it's supposed to be all. It's yeah, crazy. Well, so Jamie Oliver's food revolution. This is uh, going to be a very controversial episode. I can I know, already tell. Um, so Our people, phones are ringing off the hook. People, people can find that uh, online on TV. Where's the best place? They well, can? ABC has a player on their website, so you can probably go to watch their website and watch it online. I think because I've been watching it on my uh, my fancy iPad, my <laughs> iPad. Um, the ABC has an iPad app, which is fantastic. Um, it's how I watch Modern Family. Uh, which cool. just be an ancillary pick of the week. Um, so if it's on here, I'm assuming that it's on their, their website. Cool. Great. Sweet. What's your pick of the week well, now that we've waxed philosophical for many, many minutes on mine? It's interesting to see where this podcast is kind of going um, because I've talked before about wanting to get a personal trainer or some sort of nutritionist on the podcast. And, uh, and we're also talking a lot about DIY type stuff, you know, like making your own your own stuff and i'd really love to in the future talk about distribution um and it's fitting that that's where this podcast is going and your pick of the week is what it is because mine is a website that i stumbled across called nofilmschool.com and uh it's about this guy who just basically started the website saying you don't need to waste your money on film school it's easy to start making your own stuff and if you go in there and you give them your give the guy your email address you get this like 50 page pdf of uh of, uh, let me see, I got it pulled up here. It's called uh, The DSLR Guide to Cinematography. 
And so it's all about how to like shoot stuff. And it's got everything from like the very basics, like three point lighting, you know, what a megapixel is all the way up through lenses, storage, um, what kind of additional equipment you'll need, noise reduction, uh, transcoding your footage on your computer using Final Cut. It's really incredible stuff. And I haven't poked through the entire PDF yet, but the website looks like a gold mine of information. Um, if you're interested in creating your own stuff. And uh, and the the guide looks awesome too. So this is incredible. No, Nofilmschool.com. This is incredible. Trevor's talking, and I'm like already sucked into this website. Yeah, and you're it's like just, it's you're like, like sitting here talking about what I'm looking at, and I'm just like, oh well, yeah. oh that oh that looks cool. I want to read that. And oh. it's it's a one man operation. So it's this guy, and if you read his story, it's interesting. He basically lived out of a suitcase for I don't know eight nine months, um, just like sleeping on friends' couches while running this entire website from his laptop. And then eventually the website scored him a gig at MTV, which he then eventually quit. And now he's like working on the feature film that he's he's doing while he's doing this. It's it's interesting stuff. So check it out. Nofilmschool.com. Love it. Yeah. So this was a really long kind of back end of the episode. We should probably wrap it up. Anything you wanted to add in before we... No, we got to get out of here, man. Say goodbye. <laughs> All right. So you guys uh, know how to get in touch with us. Uh, you can shoot us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment on the website, or even call us, 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. You can also check out our Twitter accounts. I'm at twitter.com slash digitalactor. And twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. And, of course, our uh, our inside acting official twitter account which is uh twitter.com slash inside acting um you can find us on facebook you can find us on actor rated you can find us on itunes just do a search for inside acting in all of those places yes indeed um what am i missing here sir other uh, than money 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 <laughs> Thank you, everybody who has uh, has donated. We we owe some shout outs to people um, and those of you that have donated. Keep an eye on your mailbox um, or your PO box, as it were, in many cases. Um, but those of you who are listening to the podcast and you guys get something out of it, um, consider kicking us a few bucks. Uh, this podcast is not free to produce uh, and it's very time consuming. And uh, every little dollar helps and goes straight back into the podcast. We don't go out and buy ourselves large you know flat screen tvs with the money you send us we put it right back into the podcast and and uh currently we've got a, a couple kind of big plans for the podcast but we're we're waiting to have enough funds from uh from our listeners to to upgrade those things so two ways to donate you can hop on our website you'll see two paypal buttons on the right hand side the first one is an option to donate uh via subscription so a recurring monthly payment at three five ten or twenty dollars or you can do the second option which is a lump sum payment so you can send us uh several hundred dollars if you want um or just a few but you know it's a one-time thing uh they're both done through paypal and since they're both uh essentially for your education as an actor you can write them off as education expenses come tax time so make sure you hang on to your receipt or a donation when you do that yeah mm-hmm. or, or a donation and uh speaking of uh, staying fit if you um have been interested in getting into the tea lifestyle like trevor and i have um, you can head on over to samovarlife.com. That's S-A-M-O-V-A-R life.com. And check out uh, your acting inside acting exclusive discount, 15% off of everything on their website. There is no other discount like it. I looked it up. They don't have any other discount. They have like featured tees where you can get like a certain amount off or what have, what have you. And there's other podcasts. Well, I, I only know of one, which is Dignation. That um, that has a discount on there. So this is an inside acting exclusive um, uh, uh, discount discount on their website. Thank you, fifteen uh, percent off of everything. Acting one hundred and one. Just type in acting one zero one, 
at checkout, and you can get 15% off of uh, anything you want. That's right. Website. And then last but not least, Marcy Learoff's got a couple boot camp DVDs um, that we talked about back in her episodes. And uh, if any of you are interested in checking those out, we wholeheartedly recommend them, and you can get a discount uh, from her as well. She uses PayPal, but when you buy the DVD from her website, which I think it's just LearoffCasting.com. Mm-hmm. You can probably do a Google search for it. But um, when you buy the Audition Bootcamp DVD, just put, uh, put, put that you heard about it from Inside Acting in the little notes box, and she'll kick some money back to you. So you get a discount there, too. So that about does it for episode 55 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, jazz hands.